how far do you think the farthest shot was? Well, I know it was 2,100 plus. It was a little over 2,100. So they're saying the same thing for this. We're ranging from uh, 700 to 2,100 yards with the average target distance being 1,300 yards. They do tell you right at the bat, it will all be prone. Welcome to the Shoot to Hunt podcast. I'm Ryan Avery. We're here with Jake Mushaney, as always. Uh, this podcast is going to be a little different than what we have been doing. We don't have a guest. We're not talking about rifle deconstructed or ammo deconstructed. We're talking about the Night Force ELR Steel Challenge. Jake and I both signed up for it back a few weeks ago. Um, I think it sold out in, what, 24 hours? Whatever. I wrote that. Yeah, 26 hours. 240 spots. 240 spots. And I, I'm a firm believer that um, if you want to get better at killing animals, you need to do some kind of competition. And uh, I shot the Vortex Challenge, went and got my butt kicked one time in PRS. I've shot a little bit, a couple of the Safari. I don't know if they call them Safari anymore. You know, they're kind of like this where it's kind of a lot of belly shooting, but it's also a lot of extended range shooting like this. And uh, anybody that shot the Vortex Challenge know it's just a, basically it's a seven mile race. And uh, I think you had eight stages in seven miles. Was there running involved? People ran. You know, you me, didn't though. I jogged. Me and so <laughs> me and Soa did it. Me and Soa did it, and it was uh, it was uh, a brisk pace. <laughs> but there was that we ran for. I think you know how everybody's all gung ho at the start. We ran for like thirty seconds. We're like, oh fuck this, <laughs> this is work. And then Tanya was there, kind of filming it and in prodding us because she can run and we can't. Is there a video of this somewhere then? Oh yeah. Yeah, I think I shot four of them, five of them. They don't. I don't think they have them anymore. Huh. But I shot them when they used to have them in Tremont in Utah, and then they moved it to the... I've heard of something like the Mammoth Sniper Challenge. It must be similar to that. No, I think those guys are more... It's more tactical driven. I think the Mammoth is... I'm, I'm talking out of my league here, but I believe the Mammoth is like a 24-hour challenge. Hmm. I'm sure people... You can email us in podcast at shoothunt.com and tell hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Tell us what we're, what we're bullshitting you on. But... The Mammoth, I think, is like more tactical and the, the gear, 24 hours, basically all the gear you pack is only the gear, only gear you can use. Huh. But I don't know that for sure. Yeah. They used to, they did have, they were going to have a series on, basically it was kind of like PRS, but it was a bunch of 24 hour series, like a series match for sniper, you know, not sniper typers, I call it, but actual snipers. Mm-hmm. So you believe then that, that shooting some type of competition will make you a better hunter? Heck yeah. I think I have not shot an NRL hunter yet, but I'm going to try to make a match this year because there's, when you're at the range, or you know this, most of the time, unless you're trying to, you know, somebody else is watching or you're there putting yourself under a timer, there's very little stress like there is when you're actually trying to shoot an animal Mm -hmm. to where I think you'd look at like the talking to people. I shot the PRS, I shot the Vortex. Everybody's awesome at stuff until they're all of a sudden somebody says, shooter ready. And then you're like, Oh shit! Now you forget. Less like your mind just goes blank. Well, we see that on the podcast too. You have a guest, and you be just bullshitting right along like this, and everything's smooth, and people are smiling. And then as soon as you push record, people just freeze up. Yes, I, I I'm gonna put somebody on blast. I love the guy to death, but the first time I did Deonia Muchastagi, that's a big word. Uh huh. Deoni, love the guy, and he's been on several more that he did fine. But when that red light came on, it was one to two. Deer in the headlights. Question, answer, two, one sentence answers. It was like, what do you think about, you know, mule deer hunting in Southern Idaho? He's like, it's really good, <laughs> really good. And you're like, oh, and you have like 10, 12 questions laid out to try to get the story going. And you get through those in like three or four minutes. You're like, we're fucked. Yeah. But same way, same thing with shooting. As soon as, especially when <clears throat> the first Soa was in here the other day, Matt Soa, and he said, <laughs> told you about him shooting early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The guy was giving us the course of fire. And so uh, the guy said, I guess you guys understand everything. You ready? And so I was like, yep. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody had ear pro on. Oh, it was man. a disaster, but uh, we got, we got to figure it out after that. Even the most experienced shooters. Yeah. Mistakes. Oh yeah. I get nervous. I'm sure you're going to have meltdowns. I've seen um, guys not, you know, roll up there and load their ammo and, 
go to put a bullet in and then they, they put it in, eject it, and then they pull it back in and they just, you know, dry fire because they're they're trying they're on the clock, man. Mm-hmm. Their brains and fast forward. I have that problem. I have mm-hmm. that problem talking sometimes. Like you have to reel me in on some of the podcasts and cause what I my mind for some reason is like a roulette wheel, man. It's just like spinning and I jump ahead sometimes and I forget that little details that make it so people can follow the storyline. Yeah. Maybe I should have shot with you a little more before I decided to team up with you for this. I've I've done pretty well shooting. Um <laughs> Like I said, we're not, we're coming in the top 10. That's the goal. Shit. We're putting that out there. Top, top 10 out of 10. Top 10 out of 10. No, how many, t- <laughs> in the teams, what are there, 30, how many yeah. total shooters are there? You, you wrote us some fancy notes here. Yeah, two, it was 240 spots and, they, and they're all filled. I guess in the that initial 24 hours, there were some, some guys signed up for teams twice or they made some mistakes. So after, after the initial issues have passed and they invited some people that were on the wait list. But what it says now is, it's funny, it says 31 under teams, so I just assume it's 15 teams. 180 guys in individual open heavy. And then if you signed up for team, you were automatically entered in open heavy. In other words, there's no team for the hunter weight. Uh, then it said 37 hunting individuals, which would be 16 pounds or less. That's pretty much the only the only thing that qualifies it as a hunter, 16 pounds or less. That's Idaho rules. Yeah, Idaho, I believe it's, that's with ammo, so it's interesting. Yeah, I think it's everything the way you shoot. It yeah, probably includes a bipod. I've had that my my rifle weighed, and I cannot remember if there's a bipod, but there was like ammunition in the magazine, and uh, I was like, "There's Idaho had a 16. There were some guys shooting 50 cal's back in the day in northern Idaho, and they wanted to get away. You know, they were bagging in with like 30, 40 pound rifles and shooting yeah. 2,000 yards, long before you know good range finders and, and even good rifle scopes." And uh, Idaho went to a 16-pound limit, and I kept thinking, there's no way they're going to carry a scale around and weigh your ass. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, they did. I got weighed. And they definitely weigh your rifle coming into this. So I, the only competition I've ever shot in my life was this challenge, was this same competition in 2019. So I got a little bit of experience from that, but they definitely weigh your rifle when you check in. I guess open heavy, it doesn't matter, but they weigh, if you're in the hunting class, they're going to weigh you. Yeah, and I generally – like to shoot a competition and I say that and just because I've only shot the vortex challenges in a one day PRS match and I like to hunt with the rifle I'm actually going to pack weight but for this one I know there's a lot of coming from you I've never been here but there's a lot of belly shooting but this one I kind of want to make a you know an all out you know yeah. rifle and that's, heavy. What, that's what we're actually here to talk about yeah. I'm going to tell you about what we talked through kind of our thought process and why we decided uh, to go with what we did now, of course, none of this has actually happened yet. We just have a we have a ballpark game plan that we're going to roll through. I do have a little bit of experience. Like I said, I shot that in 2019. Um, it is all prone. And I remember being hot as fuck with yeah, mosquitoes just eating you alive. That's the one thing I remember. I always thought this was in July. Was yours in July or was it in June? I couldn't tell you. But I swear they're in July in the past. But anyways, this is the sixth uh June 6th, sorry, June 9th through the 11th. Yes. June 9th to 11th. If you haven't signed up already, you can get on a wait list, but I imagine it may, it may be kind of tough at this point. I know there's lots of guys in the wait list. Somebody will sell their spots kind of last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if this is something uh, you guys read about or listen to and it sounds cool, then you can definitely put it on your calendar for next year. They've been doing it now for eight years running. Uh, it is in Wyoming. It was two hundred and eighty-five bucks to sign up. I think they gave you a slight discount for your second team member if you if you went in as a team. And it did sell out in in twenty six hours. There, I actually made sure that I was the one that went on and signed up so that Ryan didn't fuck that up. Yeah, I was actually driving my wife to the airport, and it wasn't going well for us. Yeah, after me trying to sign up. Yeah, so light hunter and open heavy. Light hunter sixteen pounds and under. Teams are automatically open heavy. Uh, two to one scoring. It means that, so there's 20 stages total across two days. Each stage can have up to four targets. Each target, you can shoot a maximum of two times. Uh, if you get a first round impact, it's two points. Second round impact, it's one point. Otherwise you get zero points. Is, is this a known dis- <clears throat> known distance? Like when you go up, do you already know the distance of the targets or not? Yes, I believe the distances are there. Now, what I remember walking up to each stage, they had like a page that was printed out and it, and it had the terrain, like a Google terrain, and then it had the relative X in the locations that you're looking for. And then, yeah, it had the yardage. Um, no, it didn't have the yardage. You had to laser them? I think so. 
Interesting. That'll be, maybe we got to reach out to, I think the guy's name is Tad. Yeah, I think so. Matt knows him. Matt Soho knows him pretty good. Um, <clears throat> so you walked up to the stage, you took a look at the paper, and then you immediately got into your spotting scope and started trying to identify what the target was because they didn't tell you. There was a range, you know, <coughs> range officer there at each stage, but all you, the only information you were getting, and it was all singles back then. In 2019, there was no team shooters that I was aware of. That's what I was going to ask you. Was that a team or yeah, it was just single. So you, you're you breaking out your spotting scope and trying to find the targets. And then I found after the first couple stages that trying to relate what you were seeing through the spotting scope with what you saw through the rifle scope when you were laying down was so different that I almost couldn't re-engage the same targets I saw. So I started finding the targets laying down through the rifle scope. Gotcha. That seemed to help me once I actually got my turn to shoot. Um and they they were blended in, you know, and that was part of it. And and they were so spread out that your rifle couldn't be in one position for four targets. So you're on the move. You either have to get up and reposition your rifle, or go up on a rock, or you know, definitely spread out. So we were up on like plateaus, looking out at this vast Wyoming landscape, and you had no idea what you were going to be shooting at. Uh, I remember there was a mover stage. I actually that's the one stage I remember clearing was the mover stage. Were you in a line with people or were you up there all by yourself? Um, Up towards the edge of whatever the plateau was. That's kind of where everybody set their rifles down. Uh, and then when it was your turn, one guy was in charge of, of gathering the points and whatnot. And he had like an iPad. So I can't remember if we had the same order of shooting every time or if it was somewhat random which position you got to go in. Um, or if you just jump, whoever jumps up there for, I can't really remember that. Um. But you don't want to be the first guy. No. And then if we're shooting together, you're a much better wind caller than I am. So we were talking that, you know, I should be the guinea pig. And so we're going to shoot identical rifles with identical yeah. dope, identical data, identical loads. Technically, we should be able to swap ammo back and forth. That's the goal. Yeah, I hope so. I hope that they're really close in velocity. And I think we should. <clears throat> Anyways, before we can we do... adjust velocity almost as needed. Yeah. To make sure they're leaving the muzzle at the same speed. Me and when me and Soa shot that vortex match, we both shot twenty eight nozzles, and we were within like ten feet per second of each other. Uh -huh. And we called the exact same wind call. I think we took fourth overall, maybe sixth, fourth or sixth, and that helped a lot because basically whatever we decided on, it was pretty much good for both guns. Mm -hmm. I remember second day it started raining in the afternoon, so it's definitely got to be a load like most competitions that can take water. In other words, you can't you can't ride on the chip because if water gets in there, it's going to overpressure. Um, or if it's a hundred degrees, yeah, we're definitely going to have to plan on a hundred degrees with the potential for water, which means a a relatively safe load. Right before we get there, how far do you think the farthest shot was? Well, I know it was twenty one hundred plus. It was a little over twenty one hundred. So they're saying the same thing for this. We're ranging from uh, seven hundred to twenty one hundred yards with the average target distance being 1300 yards and they do tell you right at the bat it will all be prone or you know you have the option to shoot prone at every at every stage um we're going to get into you know we're going to basically go through the whole process as ryan and i first agreed to do it in the first place i don't even know why we i don't know how that started i think you I brought have, it up i have no idea i just asked you i think i asked you when you shot it last time did you like it would you do it again or something like that yeah and then uh that went from Literally within five minutes that we were already shooting and we were already plotting it as a team as what, you know, what rifle we were going to build to go shoot it. Yeah. Because if you look on there, you know, obviously everybody stocks on what people were using back and forth to who, what'd you win with, right? That's yeah. always the thing. And man, there's been six, five PRC all the way up to 300 Nancy's, right? Yeah. 300 Normas. Uh, I know Doug Glorfield from Rock Lake Rifle Range, range did very well with a seven rim mag. Um, I was just reading some. I think Sniper's Hide has a thread going on this right now. I tried to find a thread on Rockside. You don't have to start one now. Yeah, we're not uh, – I mean, we have ELR stuff, but not like them. Yeah, so they're talking uh, – yeah, like you said, 6.5 PRC. One guy mentioned about a 6.5 PRC, you know, getting first-round impacts on all the far targets, but but said specifically after shooting it, he would have liked a little more power. Mm -hmm. And I shot it with a 300 Norma, 28-inch barrel at the time. It was 215 hybrids. And I did well. My big problem was not being able to spot impacts. 
So the rifle was jumpy. It wasn't set up very well. Was that the lighter or is it the heavy division? Um, I was in the hunting division. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And it was actually a, a buddy of mine had driven up from California. He was shooting, uh, I think he shot a 300 Win Mag. But we did, I mean, we finished, I think back then it was maybe 130, 140 shooters. And I think we finished about mid-pack. Gotcha. Um, but I remember making so many mistakes being a first competition, just being unprepared or inexperienced. Uh, guys would have multiple types of rear bags. Like we're going to need, we're going to need some type of bag system that you can level up. In other words, if we just have some type of standard wedge bag and then have the ability like with some type of flat, almost like a, a picture of phone book, like being able to level that up as needed uh, to get up over because you may have to put your rifle up over a rock area um, and then having a bipod that has good mobility, good extension. I think maybe that maybe that double a double pull, at least a sky pod. I have a couple of those, but double pull uh, sky pod. That might be the way to go. Yeah. Like I said, I I always needed a little more up mm -hmm. at those vortex challenges. And I was using a modular evolution bipod and I wish I had like a double pull. Yeah. Cause you're you know, at some point you just you can't you can't put the butt on the ground. Mm. And you're trying to fight it. So, yeah. A lot of guys, too, they'd have, you know, it was almost all chassis. So I guess we just start off there. We're going to run. We're going to run the Nimrod stock. And our plan is to pull the butt pad off, basically cut the butt pad off, drill a bunch of holes down inside the butt stock and fill them up with lead. And then we're going to install some type of adjustable butt piece that starts off. It's aluminum and then it has a movable. Yep. The, the Nimrod stock is built by McMillan to... Dallas Lane specs. Yeah. It's ugly as shit, but it's a good, <laughs> it's, I do like it. We're so used to shooting stocks that the reason why we're not just going to go with a chassis is because it's just not us. We both believe that we shoot a stock better. We just need to figure out how to put some weight on it. And one of those things is going to be, we're going to run an ace barrel. Uh, well, I guess we should start. We were talking about cartridges. Yeah. And you know, if you guys know me at all, I hate 284 caliber cases but you cannot argue argue their ballistics yeah. and the ballistics you know they're they're bcs and you can't argue the recoil you get for those bcs we're going to shoot this missile a 190 a tip out of a 7 prc yeah what is the actual bc on that it's on the box i grabbed that 838 or something on the money 838 damn it's like a, g7 it's like is 422 that's ridiculous and it, it is long. It's more than a 215 hybrid in 30 cal. That's what we know. So as we were thinking about what to shoot, uh, the reason the 7 PRC came up is because we just got back from Peterson. Yeah, and I, to be honest, I ain't, I'm not shooting a 7 PRC if I had to use Hornady brass. I'm just not going to. Definitely not. So Peterson just ran a whole line of 7 PRC. Yeah, we got to see the first stuff on the line, did a factory tour with them, went pretty awesome, and they were nice enough to set us up with some brass for the competition. So we may, you never know, we, you know, we may be one of a few people that have the brass out there. Yeah, and you, we did a little, little tiny test on it with the other, the Blue 7PRC, and it seemed to be pretty snappy and pretty freaking nice. We jumped straight to, uh, they, so they actually pull 10 pieces of brass off every, every lot that they run, and their ballistician runs it on the chip all the way up like he figures out where it pressures out at and runs it at that pressure for 20 firings without annealing, simply sizing, and then they check primer pocket and how it's holding. And it did fantastic. They read so 71 grains of RL26 with a 168 is what he was testing at. Yeah, and there was some pretty nasty ejector marks. There was. So it's not like they're just making it just to Sammy spec and then yeah. powder levels. They're running past 65,000 PSI. So at 71 grains, we did some measurements, and it was something like the factory. Everybody, we believe that the factory ammo has RL26, at least the initial. You know, Hornady has been known to change powders on it. but I'd we think money it's, on it. We think it's RL26, and it was somewhere around 67? 65. 65. So if the factory load is 65 grains of RL26 with the... 175 ELDX. He ran it all the way to 71. Uh, we ran it up to 69 with a 175 Elite Hunter and had zero anything. We still had round primers. So we're going to end up plus peeing both of these with the 198 tip, and we're going to run it all the way to pressure. So we'll be able to give you guys some accurate. Uh, we'll do a couple of these. We'll do maybe like a 
right before we leave, we'll do another one after we have all the data and let you guys know what we came up with. It'll be interesting to see what that'll do with that long of a barrel plus peed. Yeah, so Ace Barrels is going to make a couple 30-inchers for us. We may not leave it at 30. Maybe it'll be 28, but they'll basically be truck axle way different than what we're used to. Yeah, because there, no, there is no max weight is no. in that chute. Open. Open heavy. You could have a... And they said up to 416 Barrett is allowed, so all of their targets are rated for 416. I'm sure you can't have armor piercing or whatever, but yeah, 416 Barrett is allowed in the competition. So seven PRC with Peterson brass and yep. 198 tip. I really think we're going to have to go with, I mean, we have our L26, but it's probably not going to be, we know that it's not temp state. You know, temp stability is not going to be hugely important. I mean, we are going to shoot from morning to afternoon. There may be a 30 degree temp swing, but if, as long as we know what the temp variance will be across 40 degrees, let's say we could do that testing on our side. And if you don't know this, you can actually enter in a temp calibration within, if you're using a Kestrel 5700 lead, it does have a temp calibration. But what I've read and heard is that whenever you have a temp sensitive powder like that, it's never a linear change. In other words, temp is not exactly proportional to velocity across the range. There's somewhat no. of a curve there. So it's not exactly accurate, but it will definitely help you. Like in other words, the Kestrel... If you have, you know, your main velocity is at 100 degrees Fahrenheit and you put in another velocity at 30 degrees, it's going to make that a, a line and it will, depending on what the Kestrel is reading for temperature, it's going to adjust the velocity for you automatically. Yeah. Well, if, if 26 is pushing it hard, I imagine 570. Yeah. Maybe we ought to try to, uh, after talking with Sean, I've had a few guys reach out to me about those SIG 10Ks. Yeah, that may be a better application for this competition environment because we really don't care about our glass quality so much. If that was the main concern, why not to use it? Maybe we ought to get one in here and and, and test it out. And if we're shooting as a team, we just need one, really. Yeah, really. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. That's yeah. Not, so I never powder. Powder is going to be interesting. I think I personally think after we plus P it, we may have to go a touch faster on the burn rate, like maybe down into. Maybe 565, maybe try 555 again after, you know, after some data we've pulled off some, some let's say, higher performance 300 WSM types. But 565 may be a good choice. Uh, of course, we'll try H1000. Um, and if we don't seem to be getting the velocity we're looking for, we may have to, we'll just try a range and see what happens. We'll do a good little test. Yeah, be interesting to see what it can do with good brass. Uh, yeah, they're going to be on uh, long action Vespers, Ace Barrels, Macmillan Nimrod stock ought uh, to be the, we're going to use the unknown munitions, bottom metal and mag. They are only three rounds per mag, but we'll have a couple mags on deck. Yeah. We'll see how fast we can reload. Well, you can drop it with your trigger finger. So it should be relatively quick. Mm, I, I definitely don't want no 10 rounder hanging off the bottom there. What's the time limit? Time limit? Time it was saying something stage. like four minutes. I don't think it's uh, it's definitely not rushed. And that's for both of us, four minutes total. Maybe. This will be interesting. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah, total, estimated total weight, what do you think? Oh, we haven't talked about the scopes. Yeah. We were debating back and forth to a 7 to 35 night force attacker or a 5 to 25 night force. You know, one thing I learned recently that, that surprised me was that a 7 to 35 has less elevation travel than the five to 25. Now, personally, I, I like uh, as much magnification as possible. So if it's, you know, at least that four to 32, mm -hmm. if not a seven to 35, we don't want to, personally, I don't want to spend a bunch of extra money because I'll probably never use that seven to 35 unless we put on those uh, four sixteen Barrett rifles. Yeah. The thing is, is I, from what I've heard also from multiple manufacturers is that big, you know, high top end magnification has a little more room for error inside the scope. Like uh -huh. You have more trouble with the travel and the you have more trouble just overall with issues with high magnification scopes. Well, I imagine something we ought to do also is if, let's say we go, we stick with the the mill, I think it's a C625. It's the mill 4-32 F1. We probably ought to both do tall target tests together mill to C, make sure right? we're, yeah, I think so. Yeah, We ought to do this test to make sure we're both tracking the same if we're going to try to have same dope, same everything else, it'd be nice to know there's nothing wrong with the scope. So that way when you miss, you don't have something to blame. 
Miss. <laughs> Who's going to miss? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's going to be fun, though. Uh, yeah, so maybe a Skypod. Yep. And, and we'll have to figure out something for a rear bag system. Um, Are you gonna, have we decided on brakes or suppressors? Well, I think we're going to run... I have Ultra 7 that I yes, never used on I anything. Have an Ultra 7, too, so we can run those. We usually like brakes, but the 7PRC ain't going to kick very much, and maybe we'll try to be... I would imagine after shooting 160 rounds across a couple of days, you know, with a break on the, I had a break on my 300 normal when I went and all, all the competition guys, you know, they basically said I wasn't a gentleman. Uh, you know, you pull bang and everybody turns around, and looks at you. And I'm sure we're going to look at the other guys the same way. If we roll in with suppressors, like what was the breakdown? How many people had suppressors compared to breaks? Oh, I, dude, I would say breaks were 10%. Really? I would say stocks were 10%. There was 90% had suppressors on the rifles. I would say so. Wow. I didn't expect that. I thought it'd be like 50-50. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. And do you think when you shot it, was there was there more people in the light or the heavier? Do you even know? I couldn't say. I would imagine it's probably as similar as as it is what I just looked at. You know, it's probably less uh, less hunters for sure. It's, 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 it's an ELR competition. I mean, generally ELR competitions are not going to be in a stock. Generally, it's not going to be a 6.5 PRC. This competition is a little different than almost anything out there, I think. And you have kind of a wide variety of guys coming from different disciplines, whether it be just like us, we're just hunters. We're mm-hmm. gonna, like that 300 Norma was a stock. It was a Manners EH1, or no, it was a Manners EH, EH5 adjustable. It was a thumb hole. Um, some guys are just going to bring out what they have, which is cool. Um, I think that what's going to set us apart is – because of what we do, we literally get to go out, shoot as much as we want, load the exact way we want, and and test against each other. Um, yeah, it should be good. Lots of practice beforehand. Yeah, I called Matt <clears throat> Matt Allwine to ask him how any tips or tactics, and he'd never shot it. Really? Yeah, he said, I don't remember. You know, he had some words of wisdom like, that's too much belly shooting or some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't – I. The only person I know is you that has shot it. So I don't know. I know if a 6.5 PRC won at one time and a 300 PRC seems to be, you know, the bigger guns seem to be the the way to go. That 6.5 PRC guy was probably in a good wind two-day, low wind days. I can't remember. Are you, ta- are you talking about the guy that won just this last year, 2022? Uh-uh. Because was- the guy, whoever had won just this last year actually came right into the store here at Unknown Munitions after, like on his way back to Washington. I don't remember the guy's name or even what cartridge he shot, but I do know that in 2021, Brian Litz won with a 300 Norma. And Did he, he was shooting. Outright or he went as a team? I think that was, I think it was by himself. Gotcha. And I think he was shooting the 245 long range hybrids with 565. Yeah. Cause I remember because you just got a bunch of 565 in. I was like, man, yeah. they won that with that. And <clears throat> 565 is always the bastard child to 570, but 565 is a good powder. Well, what I remember is the test that that they did at Applied Ballistics. They did some long barrel life test with 565 versus 570, and, and 565 was much less uh, corrosive, caustic, you know, on the chamber itself. Just just less dirty, less you know, harmful to the barrel overall. Is kind of changing gears, but. Is this like you walk to each stage, you drive? I mean, how does that work? Yeah, each each stage is definitely, they're all far apart from each other. And I did read on there, it said no personal vehicles because of the ramp. I don't, where I shot was not where ours was at. I think it was called like Q Creek or something like that. So we're not, we'll be in a different place than where I was. But it said no personal vehicles outside the designated parking lot. So that's going to be interesting. I don't know if they have like mm-hmm. big vehicle, everybody's going to jump in the back of the truck or what. Gotcha. Uh, when I went, people, you were allowed to bring a wall tent, stay on site. Uh, a bunch of guys had side-by-sides that they were running around the ranch. Um, but that'll be interesting getting from stage to stage. There may be a bit of hiking. Oh, good. On that, <laughs> we, we need it. I need it. <laughs> on that, you said 700, to, 700 yards to 2,100 yards. Is there like a size standard on the target? There probably is, and maybe like the IPSC stuff like that. I'm just, I'm not experienced enough in competition to know the difference. But yeah, there is a standard. And like a lot of them are animal size or animal targets. Animal right? shapes, yeah. There was a mover specifically they had set up. It was multiple movers, but one of the tracks went down. 
I did, I remember I had never practiced on a mover before and I did some calculation about the lead and I just, as I'm looking through the scope, I held the reticle in a certain place and waited for the target to come to my reticle. And, you know, I, maybe I led it a minute and a half, something like that. And then as soon as it hit that hash, I pulled the trigger and that worked extremely well at, you know, on that stage. Yeah. There's a formula for it. Yeah. But a wild ass guess is just as good sometimes. We'll probably need to have like the dope card or something like that on the side of the rifle, like to all the professionals do. Who knows? Oh, you need one of those wristbands. Oh, yeah. We're like, gonna we're gonna maybe maybe pink maybe something. We're gonna have to look goofy. Yeah, we need like a wristband, you know, like a pro football quarterback. Huh. I was I don't remember if it was John Pincher. I was giving him shit one day, but that that actually probably is the best way to go because I mean, looking down at your wrist, like. Like I said, I'm naive to the competition side, so this is probably old hat to some people listening, but for me, it's all new. Well, if you guys know exactly what we should be using, send us an email. Yep, we're just two dumb hunters trying to figure this shit out. Yeah. Um, on the, at the actual event, I know this is a different spot. Is there, like, vendors there or anything? They had, so on Friday, you go and you get to, you get to zero, check zero, and then they had a competition where you shoot, it's like a Sasquatch or something, and they put them at a mile and a half, like 1,800 yards or 1,900 yards, and you could, you could pay for a chance to shoot it and win something, and there were some, there were some vendors out at that time. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know how similar it'll be because it's at a different place and you can't even drive, but one mistake we made is, is our hotel it was like an hour and 15 minutes and they were long shooting days. So mm. we had to, you know, for the two days you come in, you do the initial big meeting, but we had to be there early. We were there late and it was exhausting. I, bet. I, mean, I wasn't in any kind of shape back then. And hopefully it'll be a little easier this year. But, uh, I remember being on one stage and had fucking mosquitoes crawling in my ear, you know, so we'll bring <laughs> some mosquito head nets for sure. A bunch of yeah. spray. I don't know. And I don't know. You guys don't know Jake, but at nine o'clock he turns into sleeping beauty. <laughs> it's like a light fucking switch. Boom. He's a, done. I wake up at four thirty every morning. You know, so you know, I'm a nine to four thirty kind of sleeper. Oh uh, yeah. So we gotta make sure he's not driving past nine o'clock. Yeah, I'm not an evening guy. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Well, Mason will be with us. We're gonna bring Luke with us, our marketing manager, and have him take some film so that we basically wanna take you guys kind of along on the hey, we're we we do not shoot competition. We're just some dumb hunters and, and we're gonna work through this process and you know, maybe if we do pretty well, then it then it made sense, and maybe if we do really bad, then don't do it the way we did. Well, any any way we slice it, it'll make us. I think it'll make us better hunters. Mm -hmm. you know, making that shot when mm -hmm. it counts. So, mm -hmm. I think we talked about. Well, yeah, we'll have to come up with something for a rear bag. I know. So long range only has that wedge bag. I know you like that one. Yep. Um, the only thing with long range only it doesn't have a lot of adjustment. It doesn't have a ton, and it's pretty solid. I love, like, when I'm doing zeroing and doing load dev, it's really nice because it is sucked, stuck in there well. But as far as a lot of up and down movement, there's not a lot. Some of those guys I noticed with chassis rifles, they actually had, like, this little, you know, fucking soda can size rear bag that was pigtailed to the, the rear of their chassis. Mm -hmm. So whenever they picked their rifle up to move it from spot to spot, they never had to reach back to grab the bag. Maybe somehow attaching, we can put, you know, we can put in some cutie cups. Yeah. And maybe somehow whatever bag we figure out, we should lasso it to the ass of the of the rifle there so we don't have yeah. to worry about moving that individually. In the in the infantry, they call that dummy corded. The, <laughs> we do some so dummy So don't cord. fucking lose it. <laughs> uh, yeah, have some dummy cord on the rear bag. And then uh, do you have, I remember you saying you ordered a spotter with a reticle in it, but. Yep, it's on the way. That should work fantastic. And then I wrote down here communication because, you know, when I miss the target and I yell, Ryan, your fucking wind call sucks, you know, we, we got to have some type of good communication so we know whose fault is why we're missing. Yeah, I can't even think of the name of that spotter. It's Swaro's spotter with the, with the range finder in it. STR. With the reticle in it. What'd I say? Range finder. Oh, yeah, I wish it did, but You're no. thinking about a range finder. Yeah, thinking about a range finder, but it's, it has it in there in mills. They have a mill or a MOA. Yeah. That SIG 10K might be. I do remember spending a lot of time with my Kestrel, and I learned how to put in, like, the multiple targets. What we really should have is the ability to make, you know, if we know somewhat what the weather is going to be, is to have a real, like, a dope card. Yes. 
Well, our Kestrel, we need to have something that's actually written down. And that's the importance of having our muzzle velocities pretty damn close. Yeah. We might get up there, though, and it might be, I'm sure we could, you know, get a Google site, get elevation, uh, estimated temperature, or just print multiple dope cards for multiple temperatures. Yes, the Swaro STR80. STR80. Um, And that's that's a a, mill reticle in there? Yep. Nice. You can get mill or MOA. Nice. It's illuminated and has like brightness. It's kind of funky looking. It has like a periscope little drop on it. And I don't know how popular they are from Swarovski, but I borrowed one and it was awesome. Hmm. Um, I got those big ass slick, the bigger slick tripods that we don't have because we just want hunting weight. Yep. We got those for all the cameras. We can bring one of those. Yep. The thing is, that's what I wanted to know. Like for the 10K is, is that something where we get a known distance, you know, because the sport, like the vortex one, I keep going back, back to that challenge. That's the only one I've really done like this. And they had known ranges. So the night before you could basically punch in all, all your dope on the little card they gave you. So that takes out a lot of the range finding part of it. They will reach out to, uh, the match director and, and answer that question before we leave. Yeah. It's in, like I said, it's June 9th. So we'll try to do a podcast a week out telling yeah. everybody where we are. What we've done. Then we'll put together some videos so you guys have a... I know there's lots of... There's probably enough videos out there now about how it goes, but... I have not found a good one. Really? No, I was looking last night because I knew we were doing this podcast. There's one in the the Zant guy. What's the name of his? Cal Zant, Precision Rifle Blog. His is probably the best documentary on what the event is about, but that was at the Q... The place you were at, the Q Ranch or whatever. Yeah. And uh, this one's at a... What's the name of the ranch? The... Uh, Tillard 55. Yeah, so whole new place could be different. I just thought maybe a video be a video. It's going to be entertaining already because we're going to have crack hanging out, shit like that. We'll be followed all over the place and fumbling around and not hitting stuff. And yep. so it's already going to be funny because we're not going to, it'll be a no cutout type of. In another life, I was a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of crack. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. And the good thing is, is we don't, we don't take ourselves too seriously. So. We're not, uh, we know we're probably not going to take first, so we're going to give it our best shot. But if Jake fucks it up, I'll let you know. Second to last. No. If you ain't no. first, you last. That's true. We're trying. <laughs> our goal is top 10. Top 10. So maybe Ultra 7 suppressor on there. That way we don't piss everybody off. Uh, and maybe 7 PRC won't be the best choice, but I really think that, you know, that 190 with that BC, it's all about the BC, really. What's well, the best middle ground? Let's say, what what would be better? It, like a twenty eight nozzle with a one ninety would be faster. But damn, I bet you in a hundred rounds, your that tune goes we completely. Go, yeah, may go right out of tune. And then you're shooting. Um, I mean, we can as much weight as we want, but you put the suppressor on there. Even at, I don't know this is fact, but at twenty plus pounds, you're still gonna have that little bit of recoil pulse. I think we're gonna get rid of with the seven PRC. Yeah. So so it's like the best of the middle ground. Yeah. Yep, and that's a. Uh that's a monster. The 190 looks like a missile when you. It's almost the length of the 7 PRC cartridge. It's it's big. Has to be shot in a one and eight, which and, is a surprise. It, I thought it'd be like a one and seven. Eight tips too are ridiculously consistent. <laughs> we got to give them that. They are very consistent. Bullet they, to bullet. They definitely look mean. Mm-hmm. And they're cheap. Some guys. Uh, <laughs> so so we have some customers. Yeah, they're cheap. <laughs> definitely the, not cheap. What is that a bullet? You think? Ah. Uh, I should have looked up the cost before we came in here, but they're generally, uh, you know, 20% more. Yeah. And they come like in this fancy wrapper with this little thing you got to put them into and wipe them off. They tout that they're loaded into that box one after another off the line, which makes them more consistent. Technically, it's like the crown royal of bullets. Comes with a crown royal bag. (laughs) It does too. (laughs) We got a whole pile of those somewhere over here. Yeah, we can make a blanket out of them. Yeah, we'll do plenty of shit. I mean, maybe the 190 doesn't end up working out. You never know. Maybe it shoots like shit. But we're gonna we're gonna chamber throat and plus P specifically for this bullet. Yeah, and I want Luke to kind of like document. Do they shoot close? Is like maybe one won't like 190s. One does. Is the muzzle velocity way different? Mm -hmm. Like. Like most people, they just don't do that because they don't do this. And Ace Barrels, knowing what our plan is for the team, I mean, Ace is able to, of course, they make the the barrel to the best quality that they can, but they can take, you know, a half a tenth off here and there. We're talking like 50 millionths. But they can, in the hand lapping process, make these barrels as close to each other as possible. 
Yeah, it's just, the ace barrel system is about as close as you can get to one guy building your whole barrel mm. from start to finish. And these will be two pieces of steel off the same stick of steel right next to each other, all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm excited. Anything we missed? Well, bipod and rear bag, dope card, spotting scope. I can't really think of... Uh, the communication part we'll have to work on. Yeah. Back and forth or what we're seeing. We'll probably go out to Rock Lake and do a little practicing. Yeah. Definitely will help in competition. But if you guys have any thoughts, uh, advice, opinions on gear, anything like that that may or may not help our situation, let us know. Yeah, and if you're shooting, tell us tell us what your caliber of choice is, or cartridge of this choice. This is a really interesting competition from that perspective because you could come in with you can come in with a six creed if you wanted to all the way to the four sixteen Barrett, and, and it nobody's going to judge what wins. We already know small cartridges can win. So it comes down to knowing your dope, knowing your wind calls, practicing beforehand. There were guys that were, I remember a guy had a 30 Sherman Max or something like that, you know, like the bigger 300 PRC, like the 30 Nauser, improved, whatever he's doing. Um, he was out there tuning on site. Like some guys have actual, they have loading equipment back at their hotel room. Yeah. Kind of like the Mentress guys do. Yeah. You know, and they're little tuning and loading on site, which I don't think, I don't think that's the right approach. I think you really need to know your rifle, know exactly what that bullet's going to do in a 15-mile-an-hour full-value wind, or, yeah, I think you got to know that well ahead of time. Yeah, we also discussed shooting the 6UM, but it would probably seriously go out of tune. Yeah, it's just it's just <laughs> too much horsepower Yeah, for a competition. 180. How many, how many rounds? 180 rounds? 160 rounds. Yeah, 160 rounds. I'm sure we'll have – we need to put a couple hundred rounds through them. Before we leave, just to make sure the tune is dialed and not going to change on us. I believe the Brian Litz deal, he said you need, what, 200 just to get that fire cracking? Yeah. That was a pretty interesting post that he did. Yeah. It's interesting. That's the different schools of thought because some people say 50 rounds, 60, 100, and he came out and went 200. Well, shit, with a 6UM, I'm halfway done with the barrel by then. Yeah. Not really, but you know what I mean. Well, I guess you'll be fire cracked after 10 rounds, though. Yeah, that's the thing you want to know is if it's a 28 nozzle or a 6UM, you know. You know well, it definitely has to affect it. got to speed it up. Mm -hmm. Or a 30, even a 33XC, got to speed that up a little bit. Well, what scope are we going to run? I, if we have. Got to decide. I want to run a 5 to 25 ATAC R. Really? For the reason is I want one to put on that gun. Oh, uh, well, technically. Or we could just run the eight to 30, or the four to 32s. That's what I'm saying. Technically, we don't. Well, technically, we don't need to run the same scope as each other. That's yeah. not going to affect what we're doing. Not at all, but it's going to be a night for if we both decided that. Definitely. Well, I would just, I would kind of go with that because it's already there. Yeah. Well, you can't use that. It's minutes. Yeah, not that one in particular. Yeah. We're running mills. That was because I was the only one on the shelf when I needed a right when I needed a scope right now. It's an angular measurement. Uh huh. I got another one that's mill. It's mill on the rum. Right well, yeah. Me. So we might be running ATAC R's. We might be running NX eights, but they'll be night. Oh, it'll be night force for sure. Yeah, and that Vesper. I know he just kind of glossed over it, but people don't know about the Vesper action. It's the probably what did you say yesterday? It's the lightest steel action you can buy. Well, it's the or lightest, strongest. It's stiffest. the strongest per ounce action. That's the word on the market. Way more eloquent than me. Yeah. <laughs> strongest steel action on the market. And technically, weight doesn't matter at this point. But again, we're we're kind of working with what we already have because we're hunters. We don't want to invest in a bunch of just competition only stuff because this may we may love doing this, but it's probably the only one we're going to shoot each year. Yeah, and the I mean you can. You can, I don't want to say this in a bad way. There's lots of great action makers. There really is. But when the people that are taking steel actions down to bare bones, when you work those actions, when you run those actions, it feels like a rickety bare bone action. When you take the bat Vesper, it doesn't, it still feels just like a standard bat action. It doesn't feel rickety. It doesn't feel light. It doesn't feel like tinny. So that's, that's what you get with a bat. It's quality mm -hmm. in, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So check those out. Yes. Check out Dallas Lane's ugly stock. Jake sells them. They're called the Nimrod. <sighs> we just put, I just did a video with them and I, I was shooting the 33 XC in a chassis and it was, it was kicking our ass to say the least. It was, you know, kicked you like a donkey. Couldn't stay in the scope. It was jumpy. And the moment we took it out of that chassis and put it in the stock, it was, you know, 
night and day difference. Well, your son and me, but your son to a bigger extent, he, when he grabs, he like must death grip that thing and he shoots great. Then he should put an animal in front of him. He grips it and torques it and it shoots right. Yeah. So I have that problem too. I got to like tell myself, Hey, don't death grip this thing yeah. to where when I have the, you know, pistol grip on a stock, you really can't. You're just more of a pull. That's actually one of his selling points. Like he, the palm swell, the grip size is extreme on this stock. And, and Dallas says he did that specifically to discourage the death grip. And you really can't, I mean, I got pretty big hands so I can get around it, but you, yeah. you know, your little, what do you call them? Little dick beaters. The little dick beaters can't get around that grip. There's, it's just not possible. No, and, and I didn't want to admit it to Jake because he has the Nimrod on his and I have the EH1 on mine. And I wish they had a little marriage between the sizes, but it was probably easier for me to shoot that Nimrod than it was to shoot the EH1. It's got this long, flat base underneath it, you know, for bag riding and, and, and keeping your scope, you know, your rifle pushing straight back into you for spotting impacts. It has a nice, long, flat comb on top too, which I like. It's just it's how how they he cuts it off at a forty five degree angle to get the bolt clearance. It's that's the unattractive part. So. It's fugly. It's fugly but effective. It's an inch longer on the forend to spread out that base, keep you more stable. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So now we just gotta weight it up and figure out a way that'll to be, that'll be fun. Drilling big holes in the back of a stock and then trying to fill it with lead. Yep. Then having a boat axle in or a boat axle, a truck axle We're on just the front. Not used to Moving those, it's going to be interesting. And then it's going to be, what? even if we settle at 26 or 28 inches, then it's going to be another seven inches off the front of that. This is 24 plus a couple here, right? So that's 26. It could be here and then here. What do you think that, that ax, the axle, that barrel weighed probably six or seven pounds? He told us what that weighed at. That, I don't remember. It was 12. 12 pounds. And when he was talking about the 34-inch oh, yeah, yeah. straight, but that was I think straight. it was 12. But we have to contour it down just to get it into the stock. Yeah. So we're going to like 1.25 or 1.2? I ordered, yeah, like the, uh, I think I said the Vibert competition contour. It's the 1050 muzzle finish. We'll be over there when they're making them. Seven, eight pounds at least. <laughs> It'll be a lot. At least. That's a lot of lead. 28. I Honest, like the other thing you talk about, the honest to, to God muzzle velocity is probably going to be 3,100-ish, I would bet. It, on, and we want to be on the – that's on the safe side. I would like to be 31 like as the max, like okay. right there. Mm -hmm. But if you plus P at 28 inches, you know, we ish minimum we're going to go with, why, I don't see how we're not going to get the 3,100. That is screaming. Yeah. Yeah. Should help with wind calls. Always try to cheat the wind. It is fucking windy out there. Those of you that don't know anything about Wyoming, it's generally. That's why I say that the PR, the 6.5 PRC that won, that had to be a good no win two days. Mm -hmm. Because unless you're maybe the John Pinches of the world of calling wind, it's, you know, or I don't see how those are going to outshoot those big guns. The team, the team part will help because if you're back there calling what you think is the right wind and I'm off of here and we adjust and get a hit, and then we get a hit, then we get a hit, and then you're up after me, you know, it should be uh should help. I'm excited. Haven't shot a competition in two years, so. I'm sure we'll meet lots of awesome people, too. Absolutely. We're going to make some big old goofy jerseys. and. Oh, you got to play the part. Yeah. Yeah, probably get Superman emblem on them and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Do something. I'm definitely yeah. going to put like 300 Nancy or something on yours. I shoot a 300 Nancy. Yeah, it, we bought the 300. What do you have? A 300 Nancy, and it's like the 300 emblem of the movie 300. It is, it is. And then we got some Tika Suck stickers, which is a joke. We loved, I it, love Tikas. <laughs> I keep posting everybody, what's wrong with the Tika? Yeah. Well, I'm just jabbing at Ryan. Yeah, it's just, I literally have two of them on my two oh, Tikas right I ordered, now. I ordered, uh, those are six inchers. I ordered four inchers. Yes. So that they'll fit on the barrel. They'll fit on the little guns because. Yeah. <laughs> The Tika sucks is kind of just in jest because I love Tikas. I've actually talked Jake into maybe building some Tikas. We may get some Tikas shortly and put some rifles together. Build some six UMs. Yeah. Probably the greatest six <laughs> millimeter all time. What is uh, Trump says? It's the greatest. It's greatest. <laughs> They're great people. That's a shitty impression. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we need to get Luke in here with his Trump impression Luke, see Luke, if he's got one. Luke does great with voices. The Borat is very impressive. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to have Luke on, introduce him. People can 
see who he I posted is. Posted a goofy ass picture of him recently. That was his own fault. <laughs> he gave you his own ammo. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We miss anything else? I think we're good. We will do another one of these. So if it's in June, we'll try to do one at the beginning of June and we should have our entire system dialed in. Uh, then we'll talk about the progression and what we figured out with bags and bipods and what works. We're definitely going to put, we're not going to go out there and make asses of our, we're going to try not to make asses out of ourselves. So we're going to put some serious effort in yes. and, and let you guys know what we came up with. And then, then we'll do a post competition and then of course videos of the competition and, and that way you guys can see how we did and see if this whole plan works out. Yeah, and if you guys have any questions, like Jake's in a great situation where he, we can test lots of different things. You just got to let us know what you want to see. We're going to be coming out with a video on um, barrel that had been fluted. Mm-hmm. We did precise measurements before Ace Guys, and they did pre- precise measurements after Camfield did the fluting. Mm-hmm. So is there any more tests or comparisons that you want to see in video form? Let us know. It's, it's podcast at shoottohunt.com, or you can DM us on Instagram at shoottohunt. So let us know anything you want to see like that. Because yes. I like just stupid barrel weights. I put up these barrel weights that were fluted from being a blank to fluted to chambered and muzzle brake or from threaded for muzzle brakes. And people ate that up. But oh, yeah. It's the stuff that yeah, I. T- so 26 inch barrel diamond fluting removed in a, an entire half of a pound. Yep. Nine ounces. Yeah. Nine ounces. I did mess up on the, the contours because Ace has. Contours like Bartline, correct? Yes. So they're the what they call a Sporter three for Ace Burrows is a number five from everybody else, a Krieger. It's really a number three Bartline. I think they follow Bartline as far as their their naming standard. So like a three B. We're gonna be stocking Ace Burrows. We're gonna have we're gonna have a three B spec, so a seven hundred muzzle finish, a six thirty muzzle finish, which is the Sporter one. Then we're gonna carry M twenty fours and a thirty incher. Uh, just just as kind of barrel specs in 6.530, 7mm, 6mm. Just so you guys know, too, if you're considering building a rifle, you know, steel barrels can be cut down to any length. So if, that's why we order a little bit longer. If you guys are on the fence with a steel barrel about what you want to finish at, go longer because your gunsmith can, can cut that down before they chamber. Yep. Yep. And I don't – we have no – to this date, we have no knowledge of how those ace barrels shoot yet. But we're about to have a whole lot of data in the next couple months. Oh, yeah. Well, we just chambered those two first barrels in 300 PRC. We're going to shoot those next week. But if you've – I'm backing that up. We're kind of, I'm kind of blabbering here. But if you go to their shop, they're not fucking around. Hmm. They're trying to put out the best barrel they possibly can. Yes. So, in, you know, if I was a betting man, I think we're going to be just fine. Good to go. Anything else? No, sir. Like I said, any questions you have, podcast at shoottohunt.com. And thanks for listening. I didn't get to text.